We break away from our regular programming at this time to bring you the Apparition Anniversary Mass from the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help in Champion, Wisconsin. Providing commentary, here's Drew Mariani. Well, good afternoon and welcome. I'm Drew Mariani broadcasting live from Champion, Wisconsin on what is an absolutely beautiful fall day. Today, the faithful are gathering from uh, around the country uh, to participate in what will be just an extraordinary day of grace. Uh, this shrine here, the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help, is the only church-approved apparition of the Mother of God here in the States. And I'll tell you what, it is spectacular uh, today. Although, uh, viewing the crowd, and this is probably uh, a result of COVID-19, the numbers in attendance today are far fewer than they have been any other time that I have been here Several months ago, Relevant Radio was able to bring you the uh, anniversary uh, mass uh, celebrating the great feast of the solemnity of the Assumption of the Mother of God. And there was probably twice the volume of people here today. Officials here are estimating uh, several hundred people, maybe 400 uh, people or more uh, to be here and to participate. The mass is... uh, was scheduled initially to be celebrated by His Excellency Bishop David Ricken. He is, of course, uh, the great bishop of the Diocese of Green Bay, and it was Bishop Ricken who actually followed up on the commission that had been established prior to him be, uh, being installed as bishop in Green Bay. But he was the one who formally approved the apparitions here. These are the only church-approved apparitions in the entire United States of America. Uh, Bishop Rickon, as I said, was scheduled to be the main celebrant. Uh, unfortunately, he will not be here today. Uh, the Mass will be con-celebrated by the Fathers of Mercy, Father John Broussard, the rector of the shrine here, and Father Thomas Reagan, who's also the chaplain. So this marks uh, the ninth and the final day of the novena that the shrine has hosted to Our Lady of Good Help. The novena was actually written by Bishop Ricken with a daily prayer and intentions. And I, I would I'd strongly encourage you to, to download this prayer, to check it out, and to pray it. I think there is a special grace that comes, uh, that comes with it. Of course, uh, today celebrates the anniversary, not just of the apparition, but it was 12 years uh, later the Virgin Mary had given a stark warning uh, to Sister Adele that if the world did not amend their lives and repent, that there would be a great chastisement. And we know what history would reveal. That was indeed the case. Uh, This is now 161 years later. It's amazing. Today, the shrine celebrated the 161st year. And, uh, you know, like uh, Relevant Radios has a major anniversary year. You know, I I think this is such a significant uh, site of healing, not just physically and spiritually in times of covid But it is a site that the bishop not only approved as worthy of belief that a supernatural encounter with the mother of God took place here, but we are seeing here on the grounds uh, testimonies of healing and of profound conversion. If you're not familiar with the background, uh, on October 8th, and I'll give you the thumbnail now, maybe a little later in the broadcast as I may have a few more minutes, I'll share with you the story in greater detail. But it was October 8th that uh, Sister Adele had witnessed the Mother of God, and on October 9th, she spoke to her. The Mother of God appeared to her, and Sister Adele was a a young Belgium immigrant who felt this call to religious life ever since she was young, but her parents emigrated to the United States, and she went with them. And it was here that the Mother of God 
reached out and called to her. She instructed her to pray for the conversion of sinners, to teach the children what they need to know, to teach the faith. And she came under a beautiful title. We refer to her here as Our Lady of Good Help because of the, the countless miracles that have taken place. But Our Lady identified herself under one of my favorite titles. She identified herself as the Queen of Heaven. And she encouraged Adele to pray, to pray for the conversion of sinners and to teach the faith in this wild frontier. She also gave them a very stark warning, as I said, of things to come, warning of a great chastisement that would indeed befall the area if the faithful failed to amend their their ways of return to God. And true to her prophecy on the same day that the great Chicago fire took place. And this is this this the Peshtigo fire is often overshadowed by the Chicago fire. A mysterious fire erupted and it devoured more land than the state of Rhode Island. It's a fire that would ultimately go in the record books as one of the worst fires in U.S. history on a day when thousands would lose their life. Many fled to this very shrine here. They fled here seeking the Virgin's protection and intercession. And uh, they were divinely protected. They were divinely protected. We're getting ready right now to uh, begin the Mass. We'll talk much more. That's Father John Burchard, who you're going to hear. The opening prayer is now underway. I encourage you to participate with us spiritually, make a, a Eucharistic, a spiritual communion a little bit later, and pray through the intercession of the Queen of Heaven, Our Lady of Good Help, for those miracles that you need in your life. For this is a place of healing. It is a place of miracles. It is a place of grace. And even though you may be separated physically or geographically, we are all united in spirit. And uh, we are now beginning to see the, uh, the procession begin. They're making their way from the back of this auditorium. And I'm noticing now also Father Ubald is here. I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Father Ubald. He's a priest with an extraordinary charism. He was a Rwandan genocide survivor. His family and parish decimated in that Holocaust that took place there. And he fled to a place uh, in France, another apparition site called Lourdes. And it was there that the mother of God, actually Jesus, spoke to him and told him to return, to forgive those who did this, and to begin a ministry calling for reconciliation. Since that time, he has traveled the planet. And he has a unique gift. He Hollywood doesn't take any credit for it. I, I don't like to use the term healing priest because it's not him that does the healing. It is Christ. After Mass, he proceeds through the aisles with the Eucharist, and the Lord reveals to him the healings that have taken place. And uh, he'll be con-celebrating the Mass today. Let's now join uh, the Mass, which is in progress. Listen, O daughter, pay heed and 
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary of a Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Let us pray. Lord our God, you chose the mother of your beloved Son to be the mother and help of Christians. Grant that we may live under her protection and that your church may enjoy unbroken peace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. You're listening to live coverage of the celebration of the Holy Mass in honor of the apparitions of the Mother of God to Adele Bryce. We're broadcasting live from the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help in Champion, Wisconsin. We're now getting ready for the first reading. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Brothers and sisters, realize that it is those who have faith who are children of Abraham Scripture, which saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, foretold the good news to Abraham, saying, Through you shall all the nations be blessed. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed, along with Abraham who have faith. For all who depend on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not Preserve in doing all the things written in the book of the law. And that no one is justified before God by the law is clear. For the one who is righteous by the faith will live. But the law does not depend on faith. Rather, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ ransomed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might be extended to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The word of the Lord. 
in the company and assembly of the just. Great are the works of the Lord, exquisite in all their delights. The Lord remember his covenant justice endures forever. He has won renown for his wondrous deeds. Gracious and merciful is the Lord. The Lord will remember his covenant forever. He has given food to those who fear him. He will forever be mindful of his covenant. He has made known to his people the power of his works, giving them the inheritance of the nations. The Lord will remember his covenant from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When Jesus had driven out a demon, some of the crowd said, By the power of Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he drives out demons. Others to test him asked him for a sign from heaven. But he knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be laid waste, and house will fall against house. And if Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that it is by Beelzebul that I drive out demons. If I then drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your own people drive them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his palace, his possessions are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks and overcomes him, he takes away the armor on which he relied and distributes the spoils. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of someone, it roams through arid regions searching for rest But finding none, it says, I shall return to my home from which I came. But upon returning, it finds it swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and brings back seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, who move in and dwell there. 
and the last condition of that man is worse than the first. The Gospel of the Lord. listening to live coverage of the celebration of the Holy Mass in honor of the apparitions of the Mother of God to Sister Adele Bryce. The homilist now, Father John Broussard, Bishop Ricken, rector, rector of the Shrine. was scheduled to celebrate this Mass, had something come up that prevented him from being here today, but he does send his regards uh, to all of us here at the Shrine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Every time I give a history talk and a, an account of the apparition here and the, the great, many great events that took place here at the shrine. Uh, I get to the part of the talk where we reveal, we, we speak about the words that Mary said to Adele. And I always find it helpful to hear the words word for word. So I know I'm probably everybody here has heard the message that Mary gave to Adele Bryce. But it's helpful, I think, to hear, the, hear those words many times and to reflect on them sort of uh, continually, as, especially today, as we celebrate the anniversary of this great apparition. So I'd like you to bear with me. I'm going to read directly from the history account. I'm going to read the, the very words of Mary to Adele. It's a very simple message. It's very short, but I'd like to reflect on it a little bit. So Adele, having seen the Blessed Mother for the third time, asks her a question that she was instructed to ask by her pastor. It says, Adele fell on her knees, saying, In God's name, who are you, and what do you want of me? I am the Queen of Heaven, who prays for the conversion of sinners, and I wish you to do the same. You received Holy Communion this morning, and that as well. But you must do more. Make a general confession and offer communion for the conversion of sinners. If they do not convert and do penance, my son will be obliged to punish them. Adele, who is it, said one of the women. Oh, why can't we see her as you do, said another. Kneel, said Adele. The lady says she is the queen of heaven. Our blessed lady looked kindly at them, saying, Blessed are they that believe without seeing. Then our lady asked Adele, What are you doing here in idleness while your companions are working in the vineyard of my son? What more can I do, dear lady? asked Adele, weeping. Gather the children in this wild country and teach them what they should know for salvation. But how shall I teach them who know so little myself, said Adele. Teach them, they replied, replied her radiant visitor, their catechism, how to sign themselves with the sign of the cross and how to approach the sacraments. That is what I wish you to do. Go and fear nothing. I will help you. And that's all the Blessed Mother said to Adele. Something that has always struck me about this message is its simplicity. The fact that it's 
so very simple and straightforward, and yet there's an incredible depth to it that allows us to draw much out of it. You know, whenever we read scripture, we do something called exegesis. Exegesis is a Greek term for drawing out, pulling out. When we read the scriptures, we draw out of it more than just what you know, may seem to be on the surface, but the deeper spiritual meanings behind the passages of God's word. I'd like to do that a little bit this morning with the message that Mary gave to Adele. The very, very simple message that she gave to Adele. You know, she identifies herself as the queen of heaven. She identifies herself as the one whom sits at the right hand of her son, Jesus. Giving credibility to what she's about to be saying, right? And the mission that she gives to Adele is very, very simple. She says, gather the children in this wild country and teach them what they, know, what they need to know for salvation. Gathering the children in this wild country, of course, we see that as the, the untilled earth of this area here in Wisconsin, which was certainly, at that time, a wild country, right? But let's take a deeper spiritual look at that and see how Our Lady is drawing Adele to a realization of the wild country of our souls. Remember, the Blessed Mother just told Adele, you need to do more, right? You need to make a general confession and receive the sacraments often. She's saying you have to be right spiritually yourself to carry out the mission that I'm going to be giving you. This wild country that Mary's talking about is the wild country, or rather the conflict that we oftentimes find in our own hearts, in our own souls. Human nature, right? The things that we don't want to do, we do. The things that we do want to do, we don't, as St. Paul says. And Mary is saying, gather all of these people with their wild souls and gather them to me. Bring them to me. And once you bring them to me, this is what I want you to do. Teach them their catechism, how to sign themselves with the sign of the cross, and how to approach the sacraments. Of all the things Mary could have instructed Adele to do, she tells her to do these three seemingly incredibly simple things. Teach the children their catechism, how to sign themselves with the sign of the cross. Even, even the uncatechized children that were uh, you know, in this area, how many of them do you think didn't already know how to make the sign of the cross, right? And yet Mary is telling Adele to teach the children how to do that. And then lastly, how to approach the sacraments. How to approach the great gift that we've been given in the graces of our sacraments. Again, superficially, on the surface, these things don't seem that difficult or important. But when we begin to draw out of them the deeper meaning that Mary is calling on Adele and each one of us, we can see a very profound message of faith. Number one, Mary calls on Adele to teach the children their catechism, right? Teach them the basics of their faith. 
Teach them how to know and understand God's love. So oftentimes it's easy to just overlook the basics. To overlook the the profound meaning behind what are the, the very core beliefs of our faith. How many of us remember those questions from the Baltimore Catechism, right? You know, how do, you know, who is God? You know, what, what do we need to do for salvation? We need to know, love, and serve God and to serve him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And to love our neighbor as ourself. Or what is the definition of a sacrament? A sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. Now, we're, we're able to say these things, but do we really know what they mean? Do we really know the depth behind them? The outward signs of our faith, the sacraments, which Mary told Adele to teach the children how to approach the sacraments, is the, the, the core expression of who we are as Christians, as Catholics. Whenever I practice my faith, when I, when, I, when I say I am a practicing Catholic, that means that I am exercising my sacraments. I'm going to confession regularly. I'm receiving Holy Communion worthily and regularly. I have made that effort to incorporate the graces that God has instilled within his sacraments into my daily life. Everything that I do is therefore guided by the graces of those sacraments that I receive. So for the Blessed Mother to tell Adele, teach the children how to approach the sacraments, what is she saying? Yes, approach them with a certain reverence and awe. You know, that's why we genuflect before we go into a church where the Blessed Sacrament is reposed, right? We genuflect before the Blessed Sacrament out of reverence and respect for the presence of our God. But even more deep than that, when the Blessed Mother is telling Adele, teach them how to approach the sacraments, what she's saying is, is what is that reverence and What is that interior disposition that we should have with all of the sacraments that we receive? How many times do we approach Holy Communion, you know, perhaps without the same level of appreciation and gratitude that we should for the gift that we are receiving? For those of you who are married... Uh, how it can be very difficult to approach the sacrament of marriage with the same level of understanding and reverence for the great grace that is being instilled in your life and in your vocation. For priests, when we're ordained to the holy priesthood, will we ever fully appreciate the graces and the gift that's been given to us by the sacrament of holy orders? Instilling that mentality within the children is actually not as simple as the message seems to imply, right? The simplicity of the message has a great depth to it that takes much prayer and much 
reliance on our Lord and Our Lady. But by far, my favorite instruction that Our Lady gave to Adele was to teach the children how to sign themselves with the sign of the cross. That simple gesture of in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, where we recognize two realities of our faith, two core principles. Number one, that God is Trinity, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that they love each other in a perfect unity that brings forth from that unity and from that love all of creation. And then secondly, the mystery of the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus on the cross. These two realities are the most important realities of our faith. That God is triune, that all love and goodness comes from him, and that from that love and goodness, he sent his second, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, his son, to suffer and die for us. You don't get any more important than that, right? So for Our Lady to instruct Adele, teach the children what they need to know for salvation. And within that context, she tells her, teach them how to sign themselves with the sign of the cross. She's telling her to express to them the great depth of that sign and that meaning. Again, how often is it that we make the sign of the cross and not even think about it, not even realize what we're doing? Every time we make the sign of the cross... Every time we express that gesture, that's a partial indulgence, or at least it can be. A partial indulgence is the partial removal of the temporal punishment due to sin. This should be something that we mark ourselves with every day. Whenever we wake up in the morning, the first thing we do should be to mark ourselves with the sign of the cross, the sign of our Lord, the sign of our salvation. This is not a simple thing. This is not a small thing. It's a very deep and profound reality that should be the guidepost and the direction of all of our life. Many of you have heard me tell the story of my sister. And within the, the, the context of her life, I find her... the. The, sto- the story of my sister Leah to be very, very profound, a, a very profound example of the same simplicity, but the simplicity with this depth behind it that can affect so many people. For those of you who may not know, my sister Leah was born in 1976, and she was born with a congenital heart defect known as the transposition of the great vessels. Right? It's, you have your aorta and your pulmonary arteries that go to the heart that's normally crossed like this. Right? Well, she was born, they, they weren't crossed. They went like this. So blood was being pumped to the wrong chambers of her heart and wouldn't properly oxygenate her body. So this condition actually should have killed her. She, she should not have survived um, in the womb. But the doctors discovered when she was born that she had a second and completely unrelated heart defect, which was a hole in the wall of her heart, dividing the chambers of her heart. 
which allowed just enough blood, oxygenated blood, to mix, right? So that just enough oxygenated blood was able to be pumped to the rest of her body to keep her alive. So already, a miraculous birth, right? Well, the doctors, not knowing what to do, because in 1976, there really wasn't a procedure to correct this heart problem. There was one by a Dr. Mustard who uh, was really the only doctor who could do it, right? And it was a very new procedure. And so they, ha- they arranged for him to come in and do it, but they wanted to wait until Leah was about 20 pounds so that she had the best chance of surviving the surgery. So that the solution in the interim was actually to enlarge the hole in the wall of her heart and to send her home until she was about one years old so that she would be strong enough to, in, uh, to survive the surgery. Well... Leah was also born with a blood disorder, which actually didn't go diagnosed until much later in her life. But this blood disorder was called factor V blood mutation, and it means that one of the genes in your blood is mutated slightly such that your blood creates an over-propensity for blood clots. Your blood clots uh, overly. And so in a normally functioning heart with good circulation and in a normal uh, functioning body, most of these small little blood clots would have been filtered by the lungs, right? They, and they wouldn't have been much of an issue. And pro- again, probably wouldn't have gone diagnosed until much, much later in your life anyway. But for Leah, who already had very, very poor circulation, already had uh, very, very serious heart conditions, she ended up having several blood clots going into her legs and actually stopping all circulation down into her legs. And so the doctors, not knowing what to do, waited. And the problem with that was is she ended up having a very serious stroke. So a blood clot came up into her brain, and she suffered a stroke where she lost the ability to speak. She... Uh, was paralyzed in her right arm. She developed a seizure disorder and several other mental handicaps, one of which was she wasn't able to develop mentally beyond that of about a six-year-old girl. So the doctors decided, well, we have to remove the blood clots from her legs because if we don't, uh, she runs the risk of suffering a fatal stroke, right? And so they went in and they did a surgery where they tried to pull the blood clots out of her legs. Well, the problem with that was is you're dealing with an infant, right? So the blood, clot, the, the blood vessels are very small and were easily destroyed. And she ended up having her left leg amputated just below the knee, and much of the circulation in her right leg is very, very poor, almost it, always swollen, and uh, very, very poor circulation. She has to wear a brace on that leg. So... The doctors realized that she has to have the heart surgery now, despite its risks, because if not, she's going to suffer a fatal stroke. And so they brought her into the surgery, and miraculously, she survived the surgery. The surgery was uh, very long and dangerous, but she survived it. And my, my parents brought her home, and tried to raise her as best as they could, tried to give her the faith as best as they could. They gave her the sacraments. They uh, made sure she received 
her first Holy Communion, her first confession and confirmation, and they tried to instill with her an understanding of the faith as best as they could. And Leah grew, and she, of course, lived a life of a lot of suffering, you know, in and out of doctor's offices and surgeries and, you know, all of her life. But she was a very happy child and adult. And she, very early on, showed a real love of prayer, a real love of Jesus and Mary, a real love of the faith. My dad would actually recount that she used to talk about, uh, after she would receive Holy Communion, um, all of the people that she was praying for, right? You know, Leah couldn't speak vocally, but she, could under- she can understand you, and she'll respond in sign language, right? So she would tell my dad, you know, I'm praying for this person and this person and this person. She had a real love of prayer and a real love of souls. I remember when I was about 15 years old, my dad asked her, um, you know, if God could fix your arm, if he could heal your leg, if he could give you the ability to speak, would you want him to do that? And Leah said, no. Now, me, I don't remember how old I was. I was 14 or 15. But I'm listening to this and I'm like, no. What do you mean, no? Why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want to be normal? But Leah understood something that I think that most of us, even as adults, don't understand. Leah understood that, because I remember she just pointed up to heaven. She understood God's going to take care of all that later. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to pray and to live this life. The simplicity of that. The beauty of that, the abandonment of that, that one can simply take whatever God has asked of us, whatever God has put before us, and to live it with joy and attention. You know, the internet goes out for three days and I, I think I'm going to die, right? You know. How do I accept the trials and the difficulties that God has allowed in my life? You know, our Lord and Our Lady, they provide for us these extremely simple and profound means to growing closer to Him. Again, you look at this message that Mary is sending to Adele. It's not hard. It's not hard in the sense that there's... She didn't tell Adele, go and get your doctorate in religious education and come back and teach these children. You know, she didn't give her this big task. She said, teach the children how to sign themselves with the sign of the cross. It doesn't get any simpler than that. But underneath that, and when we draw more from it, we realize that 
what Mary is asking of Adele, what Mary and our Lord asked of my sister Leah and is asking of all of us, is a complete gift of ourselves. A complete gift of our lives to God. And how does Mary end her message to Adele? What is, she, what is the last thing that she says to her? She says, go and fear nothing, I will help you. Go and fear nothing, I will help you. Now notice, in Mary's final words to Adele, she says, I will help you, but that help is, is within the context of fearlessness. That help is in, within the context of If you accept my help, you have nothing to fear. If you accept my help, you have nothing to worry about. So if I find myself filled with anxiety, worried about all of the things that I have or don't have, worried about the future or what is to come, I have not accepted the help of God. I have not accepted the help of Mary. Because if I had, if I had truly looked for that help and incorporated it into my life as Mary was instructing Adele to do, I would not be afraid. So today, as we celebrate this anniversary of this great apparition, the gift of Mary's simple yet profound message to Adele Bryce. Let us ask our Lord to teach us to accept his help, to accept the help of Mary, and to do so without fear. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was Father John Broussard. He was the rector, he is the rector of the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help here in Champion, Wisconsin. Good afternoon, I'm Drew Mariani, broadcasting live the anniversary Mass here from Champion, Wisconsin. This is the 161st anniversary of the apparitions of the Mother of God to Adele Bryce. And as you heard, Father... He recounted not just the message, but the simplicity and the profound nature of the message that uh, that heaven has given to all of us. He's now seated, and the congregants here are reflecting on the words. Uh, we will now get ready for the liturgy of the Eucharist. And again, I will invite you to participate in that and be open to whatever um, the whatever God wants to give you. And we will make a Eucharistic, a spiritual communion as well. Let's get back to Mass. We turn to him now with our needs and petitions. That our society will promote and defend the right to life of every human person from natural conception until natural death, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That all families will be places of prayer, unconditional love, forgiveness, and generosity. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For Pope Francis's monthly intention, 
that the planet's resources will not be plundered, but shared in a just and respectful manner. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For Bishop Rickon's monthly intention, that our Catholic schools truly be schools of discipleship, where our youth can grow in their friendship with Jesus Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all the personal prayer petitions entrusted to Our Lady of Good Help here at her shrine, that those petitions will be answered according to God's holy and wonderful providence. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And in thanksgiving for the living and deceased benefactors of this shrine, and that more benefactors will come forward to further the message and mission of the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Good and gracious God, we place all these petitions before you, because we know that you are mercy itself and that you love mankind. We ask that you hear these prayers, that they be according to your holy will, which we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now we're preparing for the uh, liturgy of the Eucharist. As I said, um, the central part of the Mass is known as the Eucharistic prayer. And uh, they're now bringing up the, uh, the gifts. So we'll go back to the Mass as well. Prepare yourself for the holiest part of the Mass, which is about to come up, and uh, join in prayer. brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Lord, we offer you this sacrifice of praise as we rejoice in this memorial of the mother of your Son. Grant that, through the help of so great a mother, we may find you coming to our rescue in every trial, through Christ our Lord. 
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For you chose the Immaculate Virgin Mary, the mother of your Son, to be the mother and help of Christians, so that under her protection we might be fearless in waging the battle of faith, steadfast in holding the teaching of the apostles, and tranquil in spirit in the storms of this world, until we, we, we reach the joy of your heavenly city. With steadfast love we sing your unending praise, with joy with the hosts of heaven in their triumphant song. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world. Together with your servant, Francis, our Pope, and David, our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. And all gathered here, whose faith and devotion are known to you. For them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls and hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmos and Damian, and all your saints. We ask that through their merits and prayers, in all things we may be defended by your protecting help through Christ our Lord. Amen. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family, order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation, and counted among the flock of those you have chosen, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect, make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands. 
and with eyes raised to heaven. To you, O God, as Almighty Father, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. Therefore, Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the Blessed Passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven, of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them, as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham, our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest, Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer, we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high, in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son, may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing through Christ our Lord. Amen. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ, 
a place of refreshment, light, and peace, through Christ our Lord. Amen. To us also, your servants, who, those sinners, hope in your abundant mercies, graciously grant some share and fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord, you sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command and form by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours. Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
You're listening to live coverage of the celebration of the Holy Mass in honor of the apparitions of the Mother of God to Adele Bryce. This is the 161st anniversary of that apparition. We're broadcasting live today from the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. In just a moment, the Eucharist will be distributed to the faithful. in a spiritual communion. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. The distribution of the Blessed Sacrament is now going to be given to the faithful. I would invite you to make a spiritual communion at this moment in time. You know, there's a very efficacious practice within the church, and I don't know how many people know about it. But as you know, the Holy Eucharist contains the church's entire spiritual wealth. Christ himself, our Passover, the living bread, through his own flesh, now living and life-giving by the Holy Spirit, offers himself to each of us. John Paul II wrote in his encyclical on the Eucharist that unlike any other sacrament, the mystery of communion is so perfect that it brings us to the heights of everything that is good. Here is the ultimate good of uh, the ultimate goal of every human desire because we attain God. And God joins himself to us in the most perfect union. So based on what the Holy Father says, this is the reason it's so good to cultivate in your heart this desire for the sacrament of the Eucharist. Now, the origin of this practice of receiving spiritual communions um, it goes back to the great saints you know, who were masters of spiritual life. St. Teresa of Jesus, she once wrote that when you do not receive communion and you don't attend Mass, you can make a spiritual communion, which is beneficial. And uh, God's great love will be impressed on you, she said. But of course, one of the great minds, one of the great doctors of the church, St. Thomas Aquinas, Imagine that spiritual communions, the way you make them, they're really based, the grace that you receive is based on your desire, the ardent desire to receive Jesus in the sacrament. And uh, if you do that with loving embrace, uh, he says the grace will be profound. Uh, a spiritual communion with Jesus made in a matter of seconds and repeated often throughout the day um, is also uh, indulgenced, and it uh, can be a grace-filled opportunity for you as well. So... I would encourage you now to make this spiritual communion. I'll lead you uh, in a prayer. So whatever your need or want or desire is, bring it to the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And uh, join me now as I say, say this beautiful prayer. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, Come at least spiritually into my heart. 
I embrace you as if though you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Please never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. You know, the prayer of spiritual communion, which can be made even without words, it's really a yearning in your heart, this desire to be united with the Lord. It shows your deep hunger and love for him. Uh, is so meritorious. And I so often with COVID-19 affecting so many of us, this inability to get to Mass, this is a practice I think you should make daily. You may not be able to go to Mass for health reasons, for COVID, for whatever it may be. I remember uh, Vinnie Flynn, a friend of mine, he wrote a book on the seven secrets of the Eucharist, and he quoted St. Francis de Sales, the great gentleman priest. St. Francis, he said, resolved himself to make a spiritual communion at least every 15 minutes so that he could link himself and all the events of his day to the reception of the Mass. I find that hard to do, but it shows you the sanctity of these men. St. Maximilian Colby also made frequent spiritual communions. And if you practice this exercise and you do it throughout the day, you're going to find yourself and your heart completely changed. If you're harboring animosity or grudges or other types of you know, disturbances within your heart, you know, maybe there's anger, maybe there's unforgiveness, and really turning to the Lord and receiving Him in this fashion, I, I think you'll find your heart softened. I think you'll see a transformation in yourself. There have been many, many books written on the Eucharist and our love for us through this. There is a, a priest, his name is Father Stefano Milani. He wrote a book called Jesus, Our Eucharistic Love. And, and he said that spiritual communion, as St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Alphonse Liguori teach, it produces similar effects to sacramental communion. But here's the key. This is the, really the heart of this whole thing. It's our disposition in which it is made. The greater or the less earnest we are, you know, in terms of our desire for the Lord, the greater or the less love with which Jesus is welcomed or given to do attention. So, as I said, open your heart to the Lord and uh, really believe he will come spiritually to you and pray. Right now, I'm going to just take a moment myself as I am going to receive the Eucharist, our Lord truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, here uh, at the celebration of the Mass. And again, we're live today. Uh, from the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. I'll be back with you in uh, just a few moments. And I've just been notified they're going to send a priest back to me, so I'm grateful for that. I'm broadcasting in a booth in the back of the, of the, uh, of the church here. And um, let, let me share with you just a little bit more on the apparitions. And this day is an anniversary, not just of the apparitions to Adele Bryce. And if you're just joining us, the Virgin Mary appeared to her several times on the third appearance. She gave her a very powerful message. She identified herself as the queen of heaven. And she told Adele to pray for the conversion of sinners. This is a reoccurring theme through all of our Blessed Mother's apparitions, right? Prayer, penance, especially prayer for the conversion of souls. And she told Adele, you know, you received communion this morning, but you have to do more. You have to do more. And I was always struck by that, that statement. You have to do more. John Paul II, he often said that, 
you know, it's not enough that you and I are in a personal relationship with the Lord. We have to do more. So what is that? We have to introduce Christ to others. And that was the commission given to Adele to teach the faith to this wild frontier. Uh, The virgin went on in this vision where she appeared radiantly, beautifully to Sister Adele and warned of events that were to come. Uh, She spoke of a chastisement that would befall the world. She says, I'm the queen of heaven, she says. She says, pray for the conversion of sinners. If they do not convert and do penance, my son will be obliged to punish them. This, again, is a reiteration of so many other messages. We heard this in another church-approved apparition in a place called La Salette. Well, true to the prophecy, uh, just to give you a little historical background on the area, this was a godless area. There was lust. There were houses of prostitution for the loggers in Wisconsin, which was a big timber area at the time. There was greed. You know, there were lumber barons. There was fast living and prosperity. There was a lot of sin in this area. And the virgin warned, pray for the conversion of sinners. If they do not convert and do penance, my son will be obliged to punish them. Twelve years to the date of this prophecy, on the date of the great Chicago fire, tremendous, tremendous disaster struck the area. A raging fire destroyed swaths of northeastern Wisconsin and upper Michigan. It would be the worst recorded forest fire in American history. 1.2 million acres destroyed. That's, a, that's 1,850 square miles, greater than the size of Rhode Island. Thousands were left dead. It was a firestorm. Eyewitness accounts uh, that have been documented, those who did survive, said they saw fire falling from the sky. There were massive tornadoes of flames. There was a five-mile-wide, one-mile-high tornado at various points. Uh, With temperatures so hot, it turned sand to glass. It had temperatures of a crematorium. Thousands of people died. Simply, they became piles of ashes. But a group of faithful fled. They fled to the chapel where I'm now broadcasting, where the Virgin had appeared to Sister Adele 12 years earlier. And they prayed. Terror-stricken, they turned to the Mother of God, and they raised a statue of her, and they proceeded around the sanctuary all night long, praying the rosary. And as the fire came in on one way, they would turn and go to the other, praying unceasingly. And after hours of indescribable horror, when all thought lost, the skies opened, the rain fell. The fire was extinguished, and witnesses saw this downpour. When the smoke finally cleared, they were amazed at the utter destruction. There was literally desolation as far as the eye could see. And eyewitnesses, they saw what they described as an island of emerald in a sea of ash. See, in the end, God's mercy prevailed. Prayer changed and brought protection to those who were in need. Those who turned to the Virgin were saved. On December 8th in the year 2010, Bishop David Ricken would formally approve these apparitions, making them the only church-approved apparitions in the United States. I'm Drew Mariani. I'm going to step away from the mic to receive our Lord truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. I will pray for you now as well. Say a prayer for me.
You're listening to Holy Mass on Relevant Radio. We're going to return to the celebration of the Mass as uh, they're now clearing, cleaning the vessels. Uh, before we do, I just want to remind you that uh, you can make a pilgrimage to this site. Uh, I was notified by the officials here that uh, Masses have resumed. Uh, you can participate in the chaplet here, the rosary, the stations of the cross. Uh, throughout COVID, I know there have been a number of restrictions that have remained in place, but the shrine here has been open, and they will continue to do so. Father Ubald, uh, Rongongara, who is here now, he is the Rwandan genocide survivor, the priest who's been anointed and has a special charism, bringing healing to many of the, the world over. 50,000 people will attend his healing services in Rwanda and places around the world. Father Ubald has been in the country since spring. And he's not been able to get out because of COVID. So uh, it's been a blessing for us here in America. But he's offering a weekly rosary prayer on site. It is live streamed from Champion. It will uh, be prayed. They're praying right now a pre-election novena for the nation and, and for reparation of sin and for seeking God's mercy. And I think as a nation, we need that more than ever today. The novena prayer and the daily prayer intentions are offered by Father Ubald every day at 1 p.m. Central. Lord God, refreshed by this heavenly sacrament and relying on the help of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we ask that we may cast aside the old ways of sin and put on Jesus Christ, the author of the new creation, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The be with you. And with your May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. <laughs> 